Welcome to Valley Heat. I'm Doug Duguay. This is a podcast about the neighborhood, my neighborhood, the Burbank Rancho Equestrian District right here in Los Angeles County, brought to you, unsurprisingly, by Chuck Baker's Empire Auto. Chuck Baker's or Chuck Baker? It says, say it right. Okay. Chuck Baker Empire Auto is right. I don't know if he's giving me a test here. It says Chuck Baker's in the copy. Anyway, Chuck Baker Empire Auto. If you've ever been in love, uh, Chuck has been doing this on Good Morning Burbank, the Valley Heat Patreon episodes as well. He's running these promos, but they're not promos. He's just trying to get his ex-wife back. They had this infamously public angry divorce about 12 years ago. It started over their business, Empire Auto. It was originally just called Empire Auto, not Chuck Baker's Empire Auto. And it was in San Diego where they lived then. Joanne wanted to move their business to Ojai and Chuck did not. And he didn't even let her know he was mad. She just walked outside and Chuck hired a guy. You know those parachute guys, the skydivers, when they put the colored smoke canisters on their feet as they're falling out of the sky and just a stream of colorful smoke comes out of their feet? He hired a skydiver to fall out of the sky with smoke coming out of his ankles, blown an air horn, and land right in front of her and hand her the divorce papers. And this whole thing was on the local news in San Diego. And then she... You know how there's a camp prank where you someone's sleeping and then while they're sleeping, you put them on an inflatable mattress and you send them out to the middle of the lake? She did that with him, but he woke up. He was skydiving with the smoke coming out of his own ankles. She Somehow she doubled or tripled his Ambien, which uh, dangerous, obviously, but it's nothing compared to just dropping someone asleep out of a plane. He woke up. He had... The signed divorce papers, duct taped to one hand and a bottle of champagne duct taped to the other. So in terms of a match, Joanne, he's, she's got his number. But I guess he's realizing now he still loves her. I'm not going to read the copy he sent me on this. I'll give you this piece of the promo he wrote. Joanne, I still love you and I'm sorry about most of it. I mean, I wonder why it didn't work out. Okay, here's the song. Joe! I still love you, Joanne. And my shirt is still burning for you, Joanne. And I'm still coming regular for you, Joanne. This better rhyme. All we're missing is an ampersand. Just you and me, Joanne. They used to call us pork chops in a pan. Hey, did you guys know a lot of things rhyme with Joanne? Breaking us into was not my plan. Gonna get back on easily a less than zero percent chance that Joanne Baker will ever hear that if her name even is still Baker. We no one's heard from her in ten years, including her daughter Faye. Okay, let's start this episode of Valley Heat. These are the chronicles of the Rancho Equestrian District in Burbank, California. Still trying to figure out the Jaguar issue. There's still a boot on it, which, or when they put a boot on it, and talk about that in a little bit. It 
has Canadian plates, which makes me think it might be connected to the drug drop. Terry Mellon also is still suing me, and Mike Bianca's wife, Gwen, is staying in the house. Also, Candace talked me to let your work here. What? What's that setting? Okay, also, Candace talked me to let your work here, but I had to use Chuck as an employer, so I have to fix that somehow. The truth is, I don't even know how long I should do this part of the show. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about is that my wife, Faye, has invited Gwen Bianca, Mike Bianca's wife, to stay here. She's They're having a big fight because, well, you may not remember this, but Gwen is having an affair with renowned unpublished ebook author and Burbank therapist, Leon Driscoll. So a lot has happened with that already. I'm going to talk more about it later. First, I want to give you an update on the Jaguar, which still has a boot on it. Just give you a little recap in case you don't remember. For about five months now, there's a Jaguar that's been parked outside the house. Hasn't moved at all. It gets filthy. Animals live under it. I tried to get the cops to tow it away. And a cop came out and said, this isn't a big deal. And she just put a boot on it. So now there's a booted Jaguar with possums or raccoons or both living under it. I clean this thing at least every two weeks at this point because not only does this possum keep building a nest under it, but it's really become like a fun tradition for kids to come by and put little paper mache sculptures on the car. It started when someone made a pizza delivery sign and put it on top of the car. And then later somebody made these big paper mache sunglasses, which honestly were pretty funny. They put them on the front of the car. It looked like the car was wearing sunglasses. Someone built a McDonald's drive-thru with a full, a guy employee taking an order from somebody in the car. I don't know how these kids are building these things overnight. I wake up and I mean, it's like crop circle work with these guys. I mean, there is an aspect to it. It looks like an art installation. I felt bad taking down some of them. One morning I woke up and they had built a full-size tow truck just like it was towing the car away. But the point is, firstly, it's not unrelated to the drug drop. The Canadian plates, it's just way too much of a coincidence that the whole drug drop thing that was happening in the neighborhood, it was being run by a Canadian pharmacist, John McDonald's wife. And Candace, as you know, our former and maybe current pool person, she was arrested for working as a runner for John's wife. John's wife, she was not arrested. Canada, I guess, just doesn't care. But I know she can't enter the U.S. And the thing is, Faye does not want me to have anything to do with this car, obviously. I told her that I would leave it alone once the boot went on. But then this thing happened with John McDonald, who is living down here temporarily because he's training for the next Burbank International Foosball Tournament. And he called me to strong arm me into letting Candace work here, which I don't know that I can. She has an ankle monitor on. I had to tell Candace's parole officer that Chuck was her employer just to let her clean the pool here, which I really didn't want to do. And Chuck is obviously still furious about that. I'm not sure what I'm going to do about it. But John, anyway, John called me and here's what happened. Hello? Hey, Doug, it's John McDonald. Hey, John. Yeah, man. Hey, I heard you hired Candace. I think that's a really good thing. Okay, well, I didn't hire really. It was a mistake. very dependable. I'm a great worker. I mean, everybody Well, the thing is, if you want to know the whole story, I'm still actually trying to figure it out. Oh, you're trying to figure it out? Uh Uh-huh. What's there to figure out? Well, I ended up involving my father-in-law is one of the problems, and so I'm trying to figure that out. Well, I mean, I think you better figure it out, man. I mean, I don't know what you're... I don't know what else you'd be looking for in an employee. Well, 
actually, there's a lot of other things I'd be looking for, okay. ideally. Hey, you know what? Let me help you figure it out. Well, I'm doing my best. It's not up to me, is the thing. Did you hear what I said about hey, Chuck? Listen, you owe me. Okay, I knew. And you know that. What? How do you think I owe you? Yeah, after that whole foosball tournament fiasco? John, you initiated a public discussion. You're trying to get in my head with that whole how? drug drop thing, and then you got me arrested? Okay, well, I'll take the previous remark, but how did I... Try to get you arrested. You know, and now my wife can't even come down here from Toronto because of all these charges. John, the charges are accurate. Your wife was dealing drugs. Hey, so listen to me. Since you're going to do me this favor no. and let Candace work for you, which you are going to do, no. I'm going to go ahead and do you a favor. I don't want a favor from you. I'm not asking for it because I can't do what you're asking me to hey, do. What's it do with that Jaguar that's been parked out there? What do you? How do you know about the Jaguar? Well, I know you're upset about it. Yeah, I am upset about it. It's been there for months. I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to get it out of here for you. How would you do that? I don't. What are you saying? Uh, why don't you take a look out your window? Because I'm about to solve all your Jaguar problems. You cannot be serious. John! The car has a boot on it. What are you doing? You can't see the boot? It's got a boot on it. Yeah. Why didn't you tell me it had a boot how on it? Why did you not see it? It's made to only be seen. The wheel well's all bent up now. You, I mean, I cannot believe. Just stop! What are you doing? Sorry, sorry, sorry! I hit the gas again. Just please stop and get out of the car. Fine. Okay, so you heard that. I walk out the front door. He's been sitting in the car the whole time. He broke into that car. How do you break into a car and not know there's a giant neon yellow thing on the wheel? And this Jaguar now, it looks like someone crashed into it from the inside of the car. And now the whole left panel of the car is hanging off. There's damage you can see inside the car on the floor where the gas pedal is. So I got this bill from the city, not only for moving a booted car, but also for John carving up the asphalt with that boot. I guess Nick from Used Foosball Tables has this keyless entry fob. He can just get in any car and just drive away with it. I don't know what Nick's motivation would be to just let John use it, but John said, yeah, he just gave it to me. The one thing I do know is that that Canadian pharmacist was using international foosball tournaments to distribute those drug drops. And part of me can see why John didn't see the boot. In his defense, someone had built the car into like a little X-Wing fighter with paper mache, and it was going through. They built that little valley that Luke drives into in Star Wars when he's trying to destroy the Death Star. These kids had built the Death Star valley, or canyon, whatever we want to call it, around the car. I mean, they had even built Darth Vader's life-size TIE fighter and put it in the magnolia tree over the car. I mean, they recreated the entire Darth Vader chase and Luke scene in the first Star Wars. Every day for two weeks, this kid Mason Gill was driving by and he'd scream, it's just like Beggar's Canyon back home, which if you don't know Star Wars, that doesn't mean anything. But that's a multi-level prank. In terms of harassment, it's the most sophisticated I've ever seen. I'd be angry if I wasn't so impressed. The point is, I guess I can see John missing the boot with all that stuff going on. So Nick... From used foosball tables, he's just got this magic key fob. Nick just steals a new car every week. The cops don't do anything about it. He stole a cop's car once. Not a police car, just a police officer's personal car. Mark Derry, a Toyota Corolla. Nick stole it, drove it around for a week. No one did anything about it. The car has a personalized license plate on it. It says M. Derry. Everyone knew it was Mark's car. Mark knew. I don't know what they have over the police department at used foosball tables. Half the cops are... Foosball guys anyway, so, and foosball gals, most of the police force in Burbank, female, primarily female, including the sheriff, all of them, foosball guys and gals. Anyway, Faye, obviously very upset about the damage to the car. I mean, I could see where there's an argument for 
yeah, I should have left it alone, but I feel like I'm closer to understanding what's going on. I, I'll tell you one thing. After John tried to move that car, now more than ever, Gary is convinced it's mine. And I'll tell you more about that right after this promo. You know, it often seems that the people in your life are creating more challenges for you than you'd be encountering. The copy's already weird. It often seems that the people in your life are creating more challenges for you than you'd be facing on your own. Okay? There's no one to blame for what you're going through but yourself. And that's why you have to do the work. Oh, I see. This is Leon Driscoll. I went and saw a therapist a while back, who you know, if you've been listening, is having an affair with my neighbor, Gwen Bianca. And he had published an ebook called I Can't Wait to Never See You Again. He's got a new one. It's called You Have to Do the Work. And this is a phrase. There are so many people walking around in the Rancho Equestrian District saying this phrase. If you know what it means, will you email me and tell me? But if you don't, can you not say it anymore? A few weeks ago, I was at the grocery store and I had forgotten my ATM card and the clerk, Michelle, she goes, you forgot it? I said, yeah. She goes, you know, you, you really have to do the work. What are we talking about? Remembering my ATM card? And I tried to give her a snappy comeback. I said, Michelle, you know, maybe the work is trying not to fire off a catchphrase. And I said it just like that. I meant to say catchphrase. And I said, fire off a catchphrase. And she just started laughing because it sounded like I was trying to do an Australian accent or something. And then I started laughing and we had a pretty good laugh about it. But when I left, I was still kind of upset. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought maybe I do need to do some work. Anyway, each of us is born with a pair of dice in our hand. And it's up to us how we roll them, when we roll them, or whether we roll them at all. Okay, I mean, I don't mind this part. The work you got to do is rolling those dice as many times as you can and not blaming anyone else for the numbers. Okay, honestly, I love this stuff. But keep in mind, this guy's having an affair with my neighbor. They say you've got to work if you don't find yourself. There ain't no one around who can give you the help. You see, baby, you were born with a paradise in your hand. So shake them up good. And keep rolling and rolling and rolling Keep on rolling, baby, keep on rolling Baby, you're born to roll Keep on rolling, baby, keep on rolling well, We got a sax solo? I can't say I really like that guy, Leon, that much, but look, life is scary, and you got to take chances in the end. They're your dice to roll. It's almost like if Bob Seger were a therapist. I mean, supposedly Leon's a therapist. Like, how do you know? Is there a test? Or I feel like it's one of those things where you just go to a class, like when you learn to cut hair or something. You graduate, and they give you a couch and one of those red lights. How do they all decide to have that red light? Everyone. They have, it's like a little distress signal. What a strange system, really. You walk in and you push this little, like a tiny emergency light comes on. If you've never been to therapy, then 
I'll just tell you, you go into a waiting room and there's this little panel with the names of the therapists. And next to those names, there's this tiny little red button that lights up when you push it so that the therapist will know that you've arrived. And then the therapist knows to wrap up their session inside. And then about a minute later, a guy who looks just like you walks out. Another thing in the waiting room is a magazine called Psychology Today, which I think is just a magazine that was created so that therapists could have a magazine in their waiting room. There's nothing in the magazine. You open it up. It's the whole thing is just ads with pictures of pills. And you know what the weird thing is? Over time, I actually started to like pictures of pills. I think I'm very susceptible to products is the thing. I don't know if you're like this, but if you ever worked in retail, I would eventually I just start buying whatever the store sold. I sold shoes for a long time. I'd go home. I couldn't stop thinking about the shoes. I had so many shoes eventually, I had nowhere to wear them. Where am I going to wear shiny dress shoes in my 20s? There's no dress code for eating frozen burritos in your apartment. I work in a shoe store. The only place to wear them is the store. It's like a spell is cast on you when you work at those stores because they go, well, you got to have at least one pair of our shoes on to work here. And you put shoes like that on when you're 21, you feel like I could go work at a bank right now. I've never been a real person. And it's the same thing with the pills. I started thinking, maybe I should be a guy who takes a lot of pills. Anyway, Gwen, who's having an affair with Leon Driscoll, is staying here because she's fighting with Mike. And she doesn't want Mike to know she's here, which he knows she's here. He's two houses away. What am I going to do if I see him at the store? Just not mention it? Mike is the type of guy who he already assumes you've got it out for him no matter what. And I've talked a little bit about this on Good Morning Burbank, the Patreon Valley Heat episodes. Ever since this trouble started with Gwen, Mike became a little obsessed with hummingbirds and hummingbird feeders. And I love hummingbirds. Everyone loves hummingbirds. But there's a certain point when there's so many, it's an infestation. And yeah, you can hear him going by the garage every once in a while. It's like a plague of locusts coming at you. Dean Fernari swears that he was being chased by a cloud of hummingbirds. He pepper sprayed them. You should, if you just walk by Mike's house, you will hear a buzzing. It sounds like a horror movie. I thought I was hallucinating. I walked by the house and it's like the sun went behind a cloud. You know how the lighting gets when there's an eclipse? That's what it felt like. It was like the sheer multitude of wings is bending the light somehow. I looked over and Mike is standing on his porch in what looks like a cloud of some kind of dark magic. And he, his voice is, you know how it sounds when you talk through a fan? He goes, hey, Doug, how's it going? But his voice is vibrating with that fan tremolo sound. And I've got this effect here. I can show you what he sounds like. Listen to this. He goes, hey, Doug, how's it going? And I look over and it's just, I see a silhouette. Wait, sorry, let me turn this off. Sorry. So I see a silhouette. No, wait. I look over, I see this silhouette. Within all these birds, it looked like he'd conjured them. He sounds like, remember the Batman villain in one of those movies where he put a burlap sack over his head and then all this stuff would come out of his mouth? Scarecrow, that guy. Remember he put a, he'd spray you with poison and then he'd look like he had bats coming out of his mouth and stuff. Mike's out there on his porch looking like Scarecrow and sounding just like him. Oh, wait, I got a recording of the birds. Hold on. You have to hear this. When you get this many hummingbirds going, okay, this is what it sounds like. This is just a recording on my phone of all those birds outside his house. And then I hear this. Hey, Doug, how you doing? A lot of hummingbirds, huh? All right. Hey, was it even worth it to have an example? It's just weird. I'm just saying he's scaring people. And not because he's a scary guy. He's not a scary guy. He just, he's going through a lot right now. And I understand it's a lot to handle, which is really where I was coming from when I told Faye that I wanted Mike to know Gwen was here. But he already knew. I just wanted him to know that I was thinking about him, too. 
And I've got a reminder here from Faye. Don't talk about Gwen or Mike. I'm, but I mean, come on. I mean, obviously, I already have. But when this whole thing started with this affair, both Gwen and Mike wanted me to talk about it. I mean, maybe it was out of spite, but they agreed that I could talk about it. Anyway, like I said, I wasn't supposed to discuss it with Gwen or ask her about Mike, but Faye had left the house for a little while, and I just thought it would be good to open up a discussion with Gwen and request that we could all have clear communication with Mike. And I didn't want him to think that I was somehow supporting Leon Driscoll and that relationship. I just wanted to alleviate any tension caused by Mike knowing she's here and us never saying anything about it. So I went ahead and I asked Gwen about it, and here's what happened. Hey, Gwen, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I know you told Faye that you don't want anyone to tell Mike that you're staying Please here. Please don't tell Mike. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, isn't that a little weird? How, how is it weird? I'm just saying, obviously, he knows you're here. He's, he's two houses away. Yeah. You know what, Doug? I'm going to take my suitcases. I'm going to leave. Don't leave. Wait. Faye told me this is going to be fine. And it is it's fine. Not fine. It's completely fine. I thought Faye was a friend. Well, she is a friend. She's She asked me not to have this conversation. She's very much a friend. You know what, Doug? You have to do the work. But what work? I'm saying you can stay. It's clear. You guys don't want me to stay. I'm going to leave. Gwen, can you come back? Gwen, come I on. I for one thing. Simple favor of a neighbor. Yeah, and I'm saying I'm happy to do and the I'm favor. I'm your lawn with my suitcase, so everyone knows I was going to stay over here. Gwen, you got to come inside. Hey, everything okay over there? Terry... We're fine, thank Why you. Why is it, every time I see you, you're in an altercation with a woman? I find that okay. curious. Uh, we'll take that remark, thank you. Uh, did you get my deposition? Terry, it's not a deposition. You served me a complaint. How are you a lawyer? Sorry, I'm in a lot of pain and I'm on a lot of medication, so I'm just a little distracted. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Terry, you got injured? Doug ran over me. That is not true. Again, when I get the GoPro footage... When you get it, from where? The photo, Matt? It's your GoPro footage, Terry. What, is that a suitcase? What, what are you, moving in? No, Terry, he's showing Doug something. What's, why does she have a suitcase? Hey, Terry, I'll talk to you later, okay? Is, uh, is Gwen moving into your house? No. How many women are staying with you? What are you doing? Why did you stop here? I want here? to see if you got my subpoena. It is a complaint. You're not a subpoena. It's in the same ballpark. It's not the all same right, thing. I don't have time for this. Okay, well, that makes all of us. Talk to you later. Plus, well, so I can see Gary's walking over here, and he and I don't talk, so... Hello, Gary. I'm not talking to you, Terry. Sorry, I can't hear you. I'm riding away. Watch it. Oh, hey, Gary. Did you see all that? You got in your fold? I'm not interested. I came over to ask Doug when he's getting rid of this car. Gary, I told you, it is not my car. Oh, that one's not yours? The one you've washed no. three times this month? It's, okay. It was dirty, is the cool problem. Cool little hobby you got there, washing strangers' cars for free. I'm trying to get rid of it. I don't know it. if you've got unpaid parking tickets or if it's being repossessed, but it's a filthy car parked in front of my car wash with animals living under well, it. Well, obviously we agree on get that. Get rid of it. I am trying to get rid of well, it. I tried is already. Is there a statue on it? Is this paper mache? I keep taking those off and kids keep coming by and putting new ones on. It's a target for vandalism that you have built. Well, I agree. It's a target for sure, but I didn't build it. It's really not cool. Why are you saying that I built it? Considering Val and I came over during the holidays and we brought you coffee. You, coffee? You asked if I wanted your leftovers, we Gary. We stopped by with that stuff for you, Doug. You, with your leftovers? It was a continental breakfast. Oh, that's nice. Fresh sourdough toast. It was, and there it was, was cactus fruit from Supreme Grind in there. You know how much that cost? No, I don't, but it was your breakfast that you paid for, not mine. This is what he does, Gary. When? why do you have suitcases with you? Okay, you heard that. Now more than ever, Gary thinks that's my car because John tried to move it. Really, there isn't a person in the neighborhood who doesn't think that's my car and it's getting impounded or something. 
even more importantly, Gwen was obviously upset and she talked to Faye about it. And Faye is pretty mad at me. But I really just wanted to be straight with Mike. And you can't keep a secret from someone who already knows the thing. At least that was my theory. It turned out that Mike actually did not know that Gwen was here until she went outside and she was screaming and Terry overheard everything. Terry finds out something and the whole neighborhood is going to know about it. So ultimately, you could blame me. I know Faye does. And then Mike was pretty upset too because he was the last one to find out that Gwen was here. And a couple hours after that incident in the front yard, he gave me a call. And anyway, here's what happened in the call. Hey, Mike, how you doing? I know she's at your house. I know you okay. invited her in. Invited her in? Of course I invited her in. She's always welcome. I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. I was going to ask you how you're doing. Mike, I know why you're well, yeah, calling. Yeah, I figured you might ask since you got my wife over there. I have her over here. I didn't kidnap her. What are you trying to say? She came over here on her I own. I two houses up and you, you could have stopped by. The okay. always open. I, I'll stop by. How's that sound? That sounds great. I'll get a banana loaf out. Uh... Okay. So what, she's going to stay at your house now? I don't know what her plans are, but she's welcome Can to. Can I pay you rent? I, Mike, come on. What do you need to, what do you want to cover the costs over there? Nothing. There's no costs, of course. Is she happy? I don't know. The way you're talking, she didn't leave you for me. I know she's mad about this therapist. He's not really the guy that she thought he was. You know, he's charging her for the sessions. Yeah, I, I'm aware of that. The man is charging my wife to have an affair with him. Mike, I know. I'm sorry. And by the way, I pay that credit card bill. So I'm uh, paying my wife's therapist to have an affair with her. It's egregious. I so agree. Thing, could you at least take down the recording of the conversation she had with her therapist that you, you put on your podcast? Mike, I cleared that with you. You actually asked me to put it on the podcast. I changed my mind. I left it up because I thought you wanted it up, and now Gwen is the one that's asking me to keep it up. Yeah, because she's trying to destroy me. Okay, I destroy she you? She wants to burn me to the ground until I'm just ash. Obviously, she still cares for you. You know, when things like this happen, sometimes they seem a lot more dramatic than they really are. Dramatic? You don't think this is dramatic? Sorry. Do you see the deer hunter? That's a yes. light comedy compared to what we're going through I, right here. I'm sorry I said that. Hey, you want to talk about it? Why don't you come on over? I'll put a banana loaf out. We'll take it from there. Why do you keep saying banana loaf? You know, banana loaf. No, I know what banana loaf is. I don't know why you keep saying yeah, it's it. It's a little uh, phrase we use in, the, in my hometown. Pasadena? That's something you say? Yeah, we Pasadena? say, uh, you know, we're going to put a banana loaf out. Why? Is it a threat or something? Is it a threat? Uh, the way you're saying it, it sounds like a threat. I yeah. don't know. Are you allergic to bananas? You got a no, allergy? I, I think you I, know I what I'm know saying. You think it's a threat. It's just a, okay. a banana bread. I'll give you a slice, Doug. How about yeah, that? You're saying it like some kind of East Coast Sopranos guy that kneecaps people. It's I don't know why you're talking to me like that. Okay. I, okay. Look, I'm not going to do anything to you. That was all I was asking. Like, I don't okay. do things to people in this neighborhood. They do things to me. You remember when Nick put tar on my roof? Yes, I do. You know how much it costs to remove 550 pounds of loose tar from your roof? Well, I'm sorry that happened, obviously. Yeah, I gotta go. All right. Uh, I hope this, everything works out, Mike. Yeah, most likely nothing will, but well, thanks. You're going to have to give it some time, Mike. Just tell me something. Why are you doing this to me? What I'm doing to you? What am I doing to you, Mike? I'm not trying to do anything. It's funny you say that because it is being done to me. What? Is, am I doing letting Gwen stay Let me here? Put it this way: something is being done to me by you. Okay. Well, if I am doing something, it is definitely not intentional. Oh, really, Doug? Is that what a pilot says when a plane's going down? Hey, okay. ladies and gentlemen, it's important you know that this is not intentional. This is not comparable. You know this, Doug. How about 
sit in there, and then you can fill it in with dirt. Come on. I am not the enemy here. I know you're upset. I'm a little upset. You know, I mean, I know it's not a big problem like you with the fact that there's a few cute birds flying around the neighborhood. I know that's a okay, big problem. Okay, I'm sorry I mentioned the hummingbirds on Good yeah, Morning Burbank. I'm paying someone else to have uh, an affair with her, and a neighbor of mine thinks uh, I have too many birds. In fairness to me, I'm not the only one complaining about the birds. Animal control doesn't even know what to do. You know, Dean you know? Pepper sprayed some of these hummingbirds. Well, I... the rhetoric from you, Doug. He was no surrounded. The neighborhood wants me to be happy, I guess. That's the... I'll tell you what, I'll stop by in a couple hours and we'll talk about it. Well, I won't count on it, but I'll be sitting here waiting. Well, you can count on it because I'm stopping I'm be by. I'm back digging a hole in my yard, so if my, you just want to pop come in on. and uh, just finish the job, you know. I'll stop in and we'll talk. Okay, so you heard that. Hey, he's obviously upset. I don't know why he's doing a New York-type accent. He's from Pasadena. The banana loaf thing is so puzzling. You'll put a banana loaf out. Okay, what are we talking about? What's the metaphor? A banana loaf? He's saying in Pasadena, they go, hey, I'll put a banana loaf out, and that means what? I'm going to hurt you somehow or beat you up? It's like sleep with the fishes. Like if you get a fish in a box delivered to you, it means some guy sleeps with the fishes. When I saw The Godfather when I was a kid, and they said he sleeps with the fishes, I thought that's weird that that's supposed to be scary because it sounds amazing. At the very least, it's funny. It sounds like... There's a guy fluffing his pillow at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, mailing someone a finger, that's terrifying. But a fish, at best, it's kind of funny. Especially the way it happens in the movie when they deliver it to Sonny. His assistant, who works for Sonny in the Corleones, he just sets this big, messy package on Sonny's lap. And Sonny opens it, and there's all these dead fish. He goes, what the, what's this? And his assistant goes, it's a Sicilian message. It means Luca Brazzi sleeps with the fishes. And you think, why did his assistant give it to him like that? You put it in his lap and make him open this big messy fish thing? Couldn't you just said, hey, some fish came and it's not good. Don't worry, I threw it away already. I just wanted you to know that it showed up. I didn't want to make you open it and get fish all over yourself. Guy just throws it on his lap in the middle of a different conversation. Why'd you have to give it to me exactly the way they would have liked you to give it to me? The way they thought it up when they were wrapping these fish up? They were like, I hope he gives it to him like this. Whose side are you on? Well, did I hire you for a dramatic flair? Anyway, the main thing is Mike's obviously upset. I'm going to stop by and talk to him. And obviously, he's not really digging a hole in his backyard. Nick really did pour hot tar on his roof once. And Dean, like I said, did pepper spray those birds. The hummingbirds did not get hurt, by the way, if anyone was worried. Uh, hey, Faye just walked in here. What? What is that? That was left on the car. You, it was on the car? Then. Faye just walked in here and taped a note to the door. Just a 8 by 11 piece of paper says, What? You have no idea what you're up against. Uh, okay, I'll talk about that in a second. Right after this promo. Hey, don't do that. That's Green Banana. He's looking for spiders. He, try, he jackhammers them with his beak. You hear that? First, it looks like he's trying to staple the thing to the wall. I didn't know parrots eat bugs sometimes. He's not supposed to eat spiders, though. They're, they can be poisonous. But he doesn't get sick on them when he eats them. It's almost like he's drunk. It sounds like he thinks the spider's name is Michael, and he's trying to get him to walk over to him. It's like that movie Warriors. He does this thing. Like, Warriors, come out and play. Okay, there he goes. If you can see how fast his head is moving up and down, 
It's like when they shake that big can of paint up in those machines at the home supply stores. You'd think he was a woodpecker. Hey, can you be a parrot for a minute? Okay, so like I was saying, something just happened, and I want to tell you about it. I'll talk about it right after this. Okay, vibing at midnight. This is Gary Janthony. If you know my neighbor, then you know he's a guy you don't want to live across the street from. But he's got a lot of businesses, like Living Room Wine and Cheese that Val runs, and he's got a brewery in his backyard. And, of course, he has a drive through car wash in his driveway. He also has an 80s-style arcade during the day, and at night he has Janthony's Night Garage, a nightclub that you can go to if you want to be in a garage pretending it's a nightclub. But on Thursday nights, Gary started this thing a few months ago called Vibin' at Midnight. And you go in at midnight, and instead of dancing, you try to stand there while the floor vibrates. And we're not talking mild vibrations. We're talking, you know, the mechanical bull that people do? That's how hard it is to stand on this thing. It's a contest to see who can stand on the vibrating floor the longest. But you got to be careful and bring a mouth guard because Terry Mellon went in there. He wasn't supposed to be there, but he lost one of his canine teeth. And I mean, a canine, that's a real tooth. That's not one of those molars in back. That's, I mean, you lose a canine, you better have a hockey story ready because no one wants to hear about how you lost it on a dance floor. And Terry's just walking around the neighborhood pulling that temporary canine out, talking about suing Gary. But he did win that night. And if you're like him, you'll win free drinks for a month. At Vibin' at Midnight, every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. p.m., sorry, at the Janthony's Night Garage thing. The Night Garage, Janthony's Night Garage, every Thursday at 11.30 p.m. Also a legal note, Terry Mellon is not permitted at Vibin' at Midnight or any Night Garage event. Hey, that's enough. Okay, so I told you I had one more thing that I wanted to talk about. Faye came in here and taped this note on the door, and she just walked out. She says she found it on the car. It's just a regular 8x11 piece of paper. It says, you have no idea what you're up against. So I just want to... What? The back side of this note says, I'm going to get you. If it sounds like anyone, it sounds like Nick from Use Foosball Tables, but I'm going to get you. I don't think I know an adult that would say that. But the first part, you have no idea what you're up against. He loves saying stuff like that. And I heard Faye's car pull out right after she taped that note, so just give her a call. Hello? Hey. Yeah? Can you tell me what what is this note here? That is what I found on the car. On the Jaguar? What other car would we be having notes on? Right. Uh, take that remark. The car with the boot on it and the mangled wheel well that is now trapped in front of our house. Yeah. Okay. Of course. You know, I asked you to leave the Jaguar thing alone. Yeah. Here we are. We're at, we're at notes now. Oh, where are you right now? I'm driving to my dad's. But to your dad's? Why are you going to your dad's? And I have Gwen with me. Wait. Hi, dog. Why? She doesn't have a place to stay. Oh, wait. That's not true. I never said Gwen couldn't stay here. Whatever. Gwen, I didn't say that. It's fine. I totally understand. She just needed a little space from Mike, and you were not able to provide that. So we're going to go up to Ojai and kind of use the back house as an Airbnb. Is Phil with you? Yeah. Hey. Hey, kiddo. How are you? Can you leave the car alone? Uh, 
I really wasn't trying to be involved in the car. I just want to move. I don't want to deal with Grandpa's cat. I'm sorry. Now you got to deal with that Wait, cat. Wait, there's a cat? Well, yeah. Yeah, Gwen, there is a cat. I'm allergic to cats. Uh, and I scar easily. Okay. Well, yeah, scar this. Easily. this is from a duck bite in third hey. grade. A duck bit. Dad, I, hey. I don't want to be here. I am sorry. Yeah, the whole situation is weird, huh? Oh, oh my God. Whatever. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so what, I'm you're just to all going to go to Chuck's? For how long? For a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks. Yeah, honestly, I don't think any of us should be staying there while people are leaving weird notes in front of our house. I, so. I understand that. I don't want to walk into my house feeling like I have no idea what I'm up against. So um, we're not going to be staying there for now. So I love you. Well, I love you too. Hey, Phil, I'm sorry. I love you. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, I wish we could have talked about it before she left, but I do get it. It's a weird note. I'm going to assume it's in response to the damage to the car. I'm going to get you. Just move the car. I. How many levels of responsibility do I need to take for a car that isn't mine? I I didn't move it. I didn't damage it. I, the only thing I've done is I've washed it. You know what bothers me the most is that everyone thinks it's my car. Hey, can we? Let's not do that right now. But no one believes me. They all think it's being repossessed or something. And this really brings me back to elementary school. Something about me, I always seem guilty when I didn't do whatever I'm getting accused of. And I can feel myself feeling guilty. I mean, to the point where I actually start feeling like maybe I did do it. I was accused of tearing Nathan Meyer's industrial arts workbook in half when I was in eighth grade, which I didn't do. But because if I had, Nathan Meyer would have run me over with his Chevy Nova Supersport. This kid was in eighth grade. He drove a car. Nobody ever questioned him. He's, what are you, in eighth grade, 13? This guy drove some mid-60s Chevy Supersport. Guy would pull up, park his car, smoking a pipe, a big tobacco pipe. He'd smoke it all the way to the school entrance. Just tap the ashes out on the wall like an old man stepping off a fishing boat, and no one batted an eye. He was one of the shop class guys, which was your shop class like this, where I didn't even know if some of these people went to my school. Everybody looked 40. This guy, Nathan, I thought he was the school vice principal for years. I was late for school once. I walked into the front office. He was there and I handed him a note from my mom. He goes, what's this? I said, I had a doctor's appointment, so I'm late for a first period. He punched me in the thigh so hard. I crumpled to the ground and just rolled myself sideways out the office door and limped to class. And this is while I still thought he was the vice principal. So I spent the rest of eighth grade and all of that summer thinking the vice principal leg punched me because I was late to first period. And I mean, that whole summer, it affected the way I felt about authority. I thought, well, sometimes a teacher will just punch you. And then in ninth grade, I was accused of tearing his workbook in half and realized, oh, that's not a staff member. That's a student who has obviously torn his own workbook in half and is blaming me. That's the thing about junior high and high school. You get accused of something. You just did it. You're guilty. There are no defense attorneys for tearing workbooks in half or asking someone out really awkwardly in the school library, which happened to me with Julie Forster once. I just whispered, will you go out with me this weekend? And she told everyone, I said, will you go out with me forever? And then before I knew it, everyone thought I just had asked her to marry me in ninth grade. But what are you going to do? Sue in high school court? Who is charging me with this? 
Well, the judge, the jury, everyone in the courtroom, really even people that don't know you or know anything about the case, they're also charging you. Anyway, the point is, that brings up a lot for me, that everyone thinks this car is mine. Okay, and I had one more thing I wanted to say about the Jaguar, and I'll do it right after this. Valley Heat is sponsored in part by Burbank Skies. Okay, listen to this. So, you know, hang gliding. Is it hang gliding or hand gliding? Whatever it is where you're holding on to a big kite with wings. So this is just like doing the hang gliding thing, except your arms, they slip all the way into the wings like sleeves. So it's like your arms are the wings. It's like you're a bird. And this is Glenn B. Osbo developed this. He's this guy who, he was in the Merchant Marines. He's been all over the world. And his mission is to create a flight vehicle where people can actually fly like actual birds. Now, this is not quite that, but it's closer. He wants people to have what he calls the Biasbo sensation, which is feeling, the way he puts it, in your heart like you're an actual bird in the sky. He says hang gliding, parachuting, base jumping, that doesn't do it. You got to have your arms and a pair of wings. And the thing about this is you'd think this would be a gold mine, that people couldn't wait to do this, but nobody will insure him which I guess I somewhat understand. He can't even get a lawyer to write the waiver. You should see how long his waiver is. If he had to write it himself, it's like 300 pages. He really wants people to bird. He calls it birding. He wants people to be able to bird off of buildings, but no one will clear him to do it. So far, he's just been doing it off of Burbank Mountain, and now he's doing a collaboration with Gary Janthony where you can bird right off a big cliff. That's an 83-foot cliff. I think it's 83 feet. How tall is it? Does it matter? I don't think so. It's a tall cliff, and you're going to have bird wings. So either you want a bird off a cliff or you don't. And Glenn is really into this Biasbo sensation. He says, you're not going to understand it until you have it. It's kind of like a runner's high. It's very addictive. He says, I mean, I know he's addicted. He's up there. Glenn is just flying over Burbank all day. I mean, imagine the strength it would take to just have your arms out like that, just with the wind resistance alone. This guy, you should see his arms and his shoulders, his whole upper torso is so strong. And I've seen this with other people that have trained with him. It's not like a typical bodybuilder type shape. His muscles have developed in such a way that from the waist up, it looks like he has a bird's body, like a bird's breast. But then from the waist down, he just has a pair of basketball shorts on. He looks like a bird wearing shorts. Okay. Burbank skies, get over there. It's three weeks training. And with enough flight time, you're going to be flying freely through the Burbank skies. Close your eyes and then you've got to Okay, I told you there was something else I wanted to talk about with the Jaguar, uh, and Chuck is calling, and he's going to love this. Hey, Chuck. Well, they're coming back, aren't they? Okay, yeah, for a little bit. Most likely to stay. She said they'll be there for a couple weeks. A couple weeks. You know, a couple weeks sometimes turns into a couple months, turns into a couple years, turns into your I, lifetime. Okay, we both know it's not going to be a lifetime. And apparently, so. she's bringing your neighbor... Who hates cats? Yeah, she did say she was allergic to cats. Are there any other spouses in the neighborhood you'd like to send over to my house? I'm not sending people to you. I didn't tell her she had to leave. You've not only driven your own wife out of your private residence, but someone else's wife. I, That's no small feat. I told her she was welcome Once to stay. Once again, kicking your problems up the mountain to me. Okay, I'll take that You're remark. like Sisyphus, except you say, hey, Chuck, can you hold this rock for me? I understand what you're saying. I'm Do not you asking you to... family to live in a house mm -hmm. where menacing notes are randomly left all over the place 
threats. Well, it's not a threat. It's like right. you're getting ransom notes from a 70s movie. Right. It, I you agree. You have no idea what you're up against. Mm-hmm. Was it written with letters cut out from a newspaper? Uh, just a Sharpie. Really. What do you got, a film noir villain hiding in the bushes? And not the one that wrote the letter. You better call it, the Dragnet guys. Okay. Car 54, where are you? Uh, we got a mysterious note left on the sidewalk. Well, your point is made, and the remark is obviously taken. I... Honestly, the language of the letter is why I'm not worried about it. Not worried about it. Not really. Tell me this, Doug. Okay. What are the rules in your head for life? The rules in my head? You throw darts at a, a Bible? How would I answer the rules? Whatever they are. For life. They're wrong. I, Do you understand what a boot on a car is? Yeah, Chuck, I know what it is. And this boot. I didn't ask him to move it. Restricts. The car from moving. John moved it completely unprompted. Do you know anyone who isn't a psychopath? I, what? How many normal people do you have in your life? Besides me, my daughter, and my grandson. Okay, I mean. You know no normal people. I absolutely know normal people. How many? Chuck, I don't have a number. If I came over to your house and I shook the palm tree in front of it, five weirdos would fall out. Certainly. There's a point for this phone I call. I gave you $10,000 for your podcast, and you're going to blow it on a car you don't even own. Chuck, that money was to retain a lawyer. Do you even know how much it costs to repair an English sports car? I, Do you have any comprehension of the price? I mean, I imagine it's not cheap. The English can't make cars. I've heard These that. These people can't even make breakfast. Have you ever had an English breakfast? No, I don't they think so. They have an ornate 17-item dish. It is. There are beans. What does, it's got beans. What does Their this have to do? valuable export since the 1700s right. has been active. Chuck, what kind of idiot would try and drive a car with a boot well, on it? It's not my car. I wish there would have been a boot on your limo on the day you went to marry my daughter. I know you don't mean that. When I was taking pictures of your wedding, I was gathering evidence for the divorce. Uh, Chuck, you didn't take pictures at the wedding. There was a photographer. I still can't. Stop thinking uh-huh. about how your DJ played Dust in the Wind four times. That, and that was when I'm uh, trying to dance with my daughter as I gave her hand away to you in marriage. I'm telling you, I was not happy about it either. Who was the DJ? It was a favor to Gary. I hired his son, Tony, to DJ. If you hired a million monkeys to DJ for a million years, they would still never play Dust in the Wind by Kansas Four times. I hired him as a favor to Gary, I told you. How many ludes do you have to take to play Dust in the Wind four times at a wedding? Chuck, he was 11 years old. You somehow found the one guy that would do it. He wanted to be a DJ, so I gave him a chance. Are we talking about the kid who burglarized your house and stole Phil's Christmas present? That was four years later. What mental institution? Do you frequent? I'm not without complaint about you at the wedding, Chuck. You brought Faye's ex-boyfriend to the reception. That's because I wanted her to marry him. It was a plus one. Plus one is an open-ended thing. Well, it was entirely inappropriate, Steve obviously. was a better match for Faye. How is Steve better? Because he owns a car dealership in Cerrito. Not a strong start to the I'll argument. I'll tell you what that guy wouldn't have done. All right. He wouldn't have tried to drive a car with a boot on it. I didn't try to drive one either. When it comes to Steve, I'm still holding out hope. Okay, well, it's never going to happen. Well... Can I quote Kansas when I say, carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done.
Okay, so and my daughter is no longer married. To you. Well, you're a little more into Kansas than I thought. If you know the lyrics, I am googling. Do not accuse me of knowing Kansas lyrics. Okay, fine. You're looking up and the every lyrics. Every single one applies to you somehow. That's what lyrics are supposed to do. Masquerading as a man with reason. I don't need the full. My charade is the event of the season. I have no idea how that applies to me. Carry on, wayward son, Kansas. Look it up. Okay. Well, obviously that didn't go great, but I don't think they're going to be up there for longer than two weeks. And look, if he wants to hold me responsible for someone getting in that car and moving it with a boot on it, it's fine. But I'm going to figure out the connection with John, or at least with used foosball tables, because I really do think there's a connection. And obviously I'm going to talk to Mike. I don't think he has any idea that Gwen is now up in Ojai. Hopefully he won't offer to make me a banana loaf. This podcast is sponsored by Burbank Skies. It's not flying like a bird. It's being a bird. Was I supposed to say that before? Oh, it's being a. It's not being a bat. It's being a bird. I see. He doesn't want you to think it's that bat-style thing where they put that sort of garbage bag suit on and they jump off a cliff. He really doesn't like those plastic wing cliff jump guys. He calls that base jumping flight stuff Mary Poppinsing. He finds those wingsuit guys and he goes out there and he'll jump off those really tall cliffs with an umbrella in his hand like Mary Poppins. And he goes, look, I'm just like you guys. But then just before he hits ground, he'll unfold his wings and he'll fly away. It's also sponsored, of course, by Vibin' at Midnight. Make sure you got a mouth guard and make sure you're ready to vibrate because the vibrations are coming every Thursday at midnight. And finally, of course, it's sponsored by Chuck Baker's Auto Empire, the only auto empire that's trying to get its ex-wife back. Okay, just to make him happy, I'll play you out with his Joanne song. That's it for this episode of Valley Heat. I'm Doug Duguay. Take it easy. Joanne, I hope your ears are burning because I'm talking about you, Joanne. Because all my tears, they're still yearning for you, Joanne. And after all these years, I'm still burning for you, Joanne. I bet those heads are still turning for you, Joanne. Remember when we rode to the hood? Damn, I still love you, Joanne. And my shirt is still burning for you, Joanne. And I'm still coming regular for you, Joanne. All we're missing is an ampersand. Just you and me, Joanne. They used to call us pork chops in a pan. Breaking us in two was not my plan Gonna get back our ampersand Cam and Cinema